Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I'm speaking with my girl, Nana Ajaman. If you don't know who she is, I don't know where you've been. She's an amazing fashion journalist that has worked for publications like Elle Magazine and The Cut. And if you don't know her by name, you've still probably seen her work because she is responsible for some of our favorite red carpet moments with some of your favorite celebrities. And outside of that, she's also built a brand called Every Stylish Girl that also has a sister company called Every Stylish Girl Biz. Every Stylish Girl is dedicated to supporting the advancement of black and brown women in media and in fashion. And over the years, it has developed a cult following. And one of the main things they are known for is their sip and slay events because they are top tier. If you've never been to one, she has one coming up in New York. So make sure you grab your tickets, which we are going to discuss that more in this interview. And we also get into how she got into journalism and what it's been like growing her career, as well as how she built this brand, Every Stylish Girl. There are so many great takeaways in this interview, so I really hope you enjoy it. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. I feel like we have been like... We should have met a long time ago, like before now, but (laughs) I always feel that with people. I'm like, I have so many digital friends at this point. Like, it's like people you're like, you sync with, you see their stuff, they're doing so well, but you're like, why haven't we met in person then? And you're like, oh yeah, you live like a whole different state than me. Okay, that makes sense. Right, right. But yeah, and it's but I I, I say that because we have a, a close mutual friend and she's right. been trying to like connect us. <laughs> I know. But for real, she barely comes to New York. So I'm like, girl. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Okay. Shout out to Obi. So we just listening. need you both. I need you and Obi to just make a trip and come out to sip and slay. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> yes that would be yeah. a vibe actually that okay, really I like would that right I and like then you that. can meet so many of the other women that you connect with online that you haven't been able to meet in person yet you know yes no and that's what I love about events like yours and actually okay now we're just like getting into the conversation without really getting into it but <laughs> but I love that about events like yours because I think that's what makes it different at this day and age to go to events like that because years ago it would be like you're going to meet the person but now it's like or you know like meet new people that you've never encountered in life but now you're like going to meet the people that you see on the internet all the time so it's like it's just a different experience it's a different vibe and I love that. Yeah, and I feel like it's a little mm-hmm. less intimidating as well when you're in like a large group surrounding sometimes because when it's one-on-one you're like, oh, dang, like, what do I talk about? Did I miss a question? But when everyone's chiming in and the conversation's flowing, you can be the person that just, like, sits there and absorbs it, or you can, like, choose to be really engaging, but it's up to you. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, for me, like, I always have to make an effort, because I love people watching, so I, like, have to make an effort, like, a conscious effort and be like, okay, engage, engage. (laughs) But, yeah, those are the rooms. Those are the rooms you want to be in, you know? I want to get into your career. There's so much for us to get into, honestly, because, I mean, it's just like the list of things that you do. Spectacular, number one. But um, there's so much that I want to dive into. But let's start with how you got into journalism, because I know that you are a journalist and you have done some really dope things. Um, and you've gotten to cover really dope events and stuff like that. So how did you even get started in that industry and get to do all of that? This is such a random story. I'm not even kidding you. So I always wanted to be a teacher growing up. I love communicating with kids. I love helping people reach their goals and I get so much fulfillment from seeing other people succeed. So that's what teachers do, right? They teach you a new subject and you start to grow and develop. So that's the path I thought I was on at eight years old. And I'll never forget my aunt was, um, my aunt was working at a nursing home. And this is when I I was in New Jersey. I went with my cousin. We're like, oh, we don't want to go. I don't want to go with your aunt to nursing home. Like it's the summer. We should be outside at the park having fun. And she's like, oh, let's just go. So we go to the nursing home. 
and we're waiting in the um it's like the community area and they have the tv and this lady comes she's talking to my cousin and I she's like what do you guys want to be when you grow up and I you know I'm asking her like what did you do you know growing up and like all this stuff I'm like giving her all these questions and she says to me have you ever thought about being a tv broadcaster like being an on-air anchor um on the news and I said no. And she's like, I really think you have a future for journalism. And it just hit me. And I think in that moment when I was eight years old, I said to myself, like, journalism really might be for me. And I started really looking into it. And obviously I knew who Oprah was, right? And like, I knew who all the most yeah. profound journalists were, but I never saw myself as someone being an on-air reporter, being a journalist. And I started looking into it. And I think from eight years old, from there on, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. Like I had a very clear image and a very clear sight of the path I wanted to walk down on. And I followed it thick and through. Wow. That's beautiful, though, especially like you knowing from such a young age, because I think most of us, we ch like even if we have an idea when we're little, like we change what we're going to do like 10 times, you know? <laughs> and yeah, even, even in grown, college, people switch. <laughs> yeah, even in college, people switch their majors, their senior year, their junior year, etc. Yeah, yeah. So for you to be that committed and and you still love it and you're still doing it like that's that's really commendable. <laughs> I saw that it bridges together. Like you can be a teacher through journalism, right? Like you can teach people about what's happening in the world. You can educate them. You can bring news or be a voice for the voiceless, et cetera. And so I said, oh, this is kind of similar to teaching. You're just teaching on at a larger scale, right? And the world is your student, right? And you're the professor. That is very true. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I love that. Yeah, I think... Um, what I, I recently came across this study, which just it, it's very interesting, but basically I can't remember like the technical terms for it, but they said that there's two different types of people when it comes to conversations. And I guess it's like a thing where our brains are kind of wired different, where one person in the conversation or one person is more so interested in adding to the conversation or pulling, you know, information out of the other person. And they're more inquisitive and they ask questions. And then there's the other person that doesn't necessarily um, want to contribute as much or if they are contributing and they're not getting someone asking the questions back, they feel offended or they feel like the conversation isn't level. Whereas the person that contributes a lot to the conversation, they understand that that is what adds the value or that is what carries the conversation. So they're totally fine with doing that. But I feel like with journalism or for here, for her to even see that in you at, like at such a young age, I feel like that is like the trait that you have is like you understand in conversation how to carry it, how to like shift gears. And that's that's a gift, honestly, because there are plenty of people that are not good at that. So, <laughs> so that's beautiful, though, that she saw that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think because I've lived so many places growing up, from Ghana to New York to New Jersey to Ohio to D.C., I really know how to communicate with a plethora of people, right? So, like, we're talking Billy from Billy Bop Pickerington, Ohio, middle of nowhere, to someone from the Upper East Side in New York City that's never crossed over to Brooklyn before. Then we're talking Newark, New Jersey, where it's an extremely urban city area. Like I really know how to communicate through a spectrum. And so I think that also made me stand out to be like, I love asking people questions. I want to know how you got here. I want to know how your background differs from the person I met in Ohio to the person I met in Ghana, right? And so I've always been so intrigued and so interested in other people's cultures and stories. And it probably comes from the fact that I've lived so many places and my culture just you know, really is so wide and it's so diverse. So how did you decide what type of journalism you were going to do? Oh, yeah, this is an easy one. <laughs> I would say my mother is such a huge fashionista. She was always dressed to perfection, whether it was matching her pearl necklace with her pearl earrings or having the, you know, pat the purse to match your shoes as a rule. Like she was always dressed to the T. One of her first jobs in, Amer in America was working at Bloomingdale's. So she would style my brother, my father and I all in like Bloomingdale's clothing all the time. And so she's always been such a great example of like seeing what someone in fashion, seeing someone who's so passionate about fashion dresses like, um, 
And yeah, I was always just really inspired by how she put patterns and pieces together. And my grandmother also used to be a seamstress as well. And I think it's really just run through my bloodlines. And it was really easy for me to pick, okay, well, I know I want to be in journalism, but I really, really like fashion. And at this point, when I would made that choice, I've done it all. Like I thought I wanted to be on BBC News or work for CNN and be a hard news reporter. But when I took a step back and realized this is kind of depressing, like the news in general is a pretty depressing place. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life doing that. And that's when I realized, oh, yeah, you can make an income from talking about fashion and talking about beauty and most importantly, talking about women's issues. I totally agree that the news is honestly so depressing and I get it. Like we need to keep up with the news and I know people get um, irritated with millennials because we don't like to watch the news. <laughs> but I think that like if you were to pick that career, your life would probably like, you know, like imagine going to work every day and having to talk about tragedies like that is just depressing. So, yeah, I, I feel you, girl. I in school. When I was younger, I used to want to um, I used to want to work at a magazine, like a fashion magazine, and I kind of wanted to be a little journalist. So I'm just I watch you and I kind of live vicariously through you. <laughs> I mean, you are living those dreams, right? You have a podcast, you're a host, you're interviewing people. You are a journalist. Yes. You're right. They, see, OK, y'all heard it here first. Nana said that I am. <laughs> Listen, we're manifesting everything and anything that we want, so. You are, right? You are a form of a journalist because you're a podcaster, you're a host. Whether you want to call yourself an on-air host or you want to call yourself a journalist, you are a multimedia journalist. Yes. Period. I love it. This is great. Okay. So (laughs) don't feed into my delusion, okay? (laughs) No, but okay. So you, when you started in journalism, what was like your first big break? What piece of media did you put out that made you pop? So my first ever journal, hard news journalism internship was at CBS News for the morning show. I worked with Gail King mm-hmm. that, oh, I fangirled so Ooh. hard. I was like, step closer to Oprah. <laughs> but I worked at the Washington, yeah. D.C. office. And of course, Gail is based in New York City. So I didn't get to see her in person during my internship. But the cool part about working on in the Washington, D.C. Bureau is that you get to report on all the news from the White House. So I had the opportunity to be at the White House during our favorite Obama time. And I was able to photograph mm-hmm. Michelle Obama, actually. She held a Girl Scout it was like a Girl Scout picnic on the lawn at the White House, and I was able to photograph it. And I did not know at that time my photograph would get published on CBS News website. And that was like maybe my first three weeks on the internship. And so all the other interns were blown away. And this will also get you, they didn't tell me to take my camera. I was actually only supposed to go and take notes. And I said, no, I'm going to the White House for the first time. I'm going to use this moment because I loved photography. I actually started with photojournalism. I'm going to use this moment to take my camera. You never know what opportunity may come. And of course, knowing me, I was prepared for that opportunity. Snack, snap that photo of Michelle Obama and got on CBS News. All as an intern, by the way. Wow. You know, and I love that you took initiative because a lot of people, I think, and, and I get it because it's the way that we're trained, you know, in society is like you stick to the rules and that's how you win, right? But it's like you took initiative and you thought outside the box and you thought, even if I don't use this, even if whatever, I'm going to just, you know, roll with it. I'm going to bring my camera and I'm going to, you know, make it better, like make it better than just some notes, you know what I mean, in in an interview. So I love that. Um, And I think too, it's like, it just shows how you think ahead and you think, you know, like a a little, a little ahead of the rest. So I I think that's dope. And I think anyone should be um, thinking in the same mindset if they're in journalism or trying to get into journalism. I think that's a really good tip for anyone that's listening. So that's dope. Okay, so fast forward, you um, get into, how did you get into doing fashion journalism? How did that transition happen? Ooh, child, that's the time and a story. (laughs) So You know, I did hard news the whole time in undergrad. And like I mentioned, I was unhappy with it. And I said, well, I'm stuck with student loans now. I'm about to graduate. And I really don't want to do hard news full time. 
And I said, well, I don't have the family income to be like, we're going to move you to New York City. You can just work in fashion or find a job in fashion. We'll pay your rent, pay everything in New York City. That's very expensive. And so I thought about it and I realized when I was in college, I said, hmm, well, I could go to grad school and take a loan and use my grad school loan to pay for my lifestyle in New York that I wanted, right? Which was working in fashion, working in magazines, pitching myself, et cetera. So I applied to only two journalism graduate schools because I knew I either wanted to work on the West Coast or I wanted to work on the East Coast between Cali or New York. And I applied to Berkeley University for the graduate school of journalism. And I applied to Columbia University for the graduate school of journalism. And I got into both (laughs) programs. Um, And of course I went with Columbia because it's the number one journalism program in the nation. And I use that money and that opportunity to apply to fashion media jobs. I applied to Harper's Bazaar. I applied to Vogue. I applied to Elle Magazine. And at that time, I believe Elle Magazine had the most robust um, internship payment program. So I went with them because they paid the most. And that's how I kind of broke into fashion media. Started at Elle, took it upon myself to tell them, hey, I think I love interviewing celebrities on red carpets. I don't know, but I think I love doing it. Can I ever have that chance of a reporter drops it or they're too busy? And they're like, no, no, slow it back down. You're an intern. Um, But one day, seriously, the culture editor was just overwhelmed with stuff. And she said, wait, where's that intern that said she likes doing red carpets? And they allowed me to cover an L red carpet and I crushed it. So that was kind of my first moment knowing one, there's always an there's always a yes to everything no matter how many times people tell you no like I was scared I was like oh I don't know how I'm gonna end up in New York I don't have the money for it I don't know how I'm gonna get into fashion do your research as many no's as you get will be as many yeses that you get as well but you have to do your research and then two always be ready for that opportunity, right? Even if you're an intern, just put, like speaking things into the world, putting it out there, writing it down. You never know what can manifest and what can come back to you. So I think the fact that I said my first early weeks there, hey, I want to do red carpet, they kept that in their minds. And that moment came for me. And you have to be, my brother always says like, his proper planning will not lead to something. I forget, but it's like, you always need to plan because if you don't plan properly, when that opportunity comes, it's going to be missed. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think what you said is so important because I want to reiterate that for people that are listening, you, you have to plant seeds. Sometimes it's like, no, they're not going to say yes right away. And maybe they don't need it right at this moment. But the fact that you even went to your boss and was like, Hey, I don't know if this is an option, but this is something I would really love to do. It came right back around when they actually needed it, because there will always be a time where someone needs something that they don't need right in that moment that you can offer, that you can do. And you put by you bringing it up and bringing it to the forefront, that positions you as the the right option or the option to go with when the time comes where they need it. So I think that that was such a smart move on your part to do that and I I really admire like you really be thinking ahead it's the strategy for me (laughs) yeah so I always talk about something um and I always recommend I've been doing this probably since I was in high school my brother shout out to Kwesi introduced me to it. it's called a 10-year life plan do you mind if I share what it's about yes absolutely a 10-year life plan is creating the path for the life that you want to achieve So you start small. Don't get intimidated. I know you see that 10 year and you're like, girl, I don't know what I want to do in a month. right? But how it works is you tell yourself, what do you want to achieve in one week? Right? This could be, hey, I finally want to just pick a name for the company I want. These aren't hard goals. These are soft goals we're talking. Then you go, what do I want to achieve in two weeks? What do I want to achieve in a month? What do I want to achieve in three months, right? Maybe three months is like, hey, I want to save X amount of money. Hey, I want to buy that. I want to save that money to buy that domain, right? So then that's where we're hitting when we get to the three-month goals. Then we get to six months. Then we get to a year. Then we do two-year goals, three-year goals. Five-year goals is like, okay, I want my first house. I want to buy a car. I want to, you know, get, I want to 
you know, figure out, do I want to launch another company, right? And then we get to 10 years. And 10 years at this point, you're writing down everything. You're like, I want to buy a PJ. I want to have five cars. I want, you know, to own three homes. I want this event with this many investments. And I think the 10-year part is the most fun part, even though it, most, it may be the most intimidating because you're truly carving out that imaginary manifestation of a life that you want and you see for yourself in 10 years with no limits. And you'll be surprised, like check on this 10 year life plan every quarter and update it and change it. And you'll see how much you're able to really accomplish when you put your thoughts down to paper. So I've been doing that plan for years now and I've hit, I kid you not, it's honestly crazy to think about. I've hit every single goal on there. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think, a lot of people have a hard time figuring out how to achieve their goals, you know, and a lot of people don't see consistency in them hitting their goals. So that, thank you for breaking that strategy down. I think that's yeah, going to be really helpful for people and it, and it makes it tangible. It makes it, you know, like more step-by-step. Step. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I think too, that's commendable that you've hit all those goals. Like that is, that really shows how good you are at sticking to the plan and following through and like really, you know, like seeing things through, but also having clear vision. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think the reason why the one week to, you know, a few months is because those are your smaller goals that help you lead up to that major five to 10 year point. And then you get there and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't even realize I've been working towards it this whole time. But because I put in those small steps in place, they're much more attainable down the line, right? So it's like, don't ever be intimidated by that goal you want. Just take a few steps backwards and figure out what do you need to do every day to get you closer to that. Mm, that's so good. That is so good. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit. Um, of course, fast forward to now in your career, you yes. ha you've been doing all kinds of amazing journalism and and recently, you actually interviewed celebrities on the red carpet at the Met Gala for Essence, right? Yes, and I did. that, yeah, that is one of the coolest things. <laughs> and I'm sure that's one of those things where, um, as a journalist, it's like one of probably the top things that you would want to do as a celebrity um, journalist. So. How was that experience, number one, and what was that process like getting prepared for it? Yeah, so I want to first start by saying one of my favorite quotes ever is, your words create your world. And so I told myself when I covered my first ever Met Gala in 2019, I said, if this is the only Met Gala I cover, even getting that was one of my huge goals. I was like, it's fine. At least I could say I've covered one Met Gala. Then something hit me about a, two years ago and I was like, I want to get back on that carpet again. I don't want it to just be a one-time moment. I want it to be my career. I spoke those words into existence and I created it in my world. I started pitching six months ahead of the red carpet. And I said, hey, so-and-so Essence, hey, so-and-so at Ebony, hey, so-and-so at this publication, can I cover the red carpet for you? This is my reel from the cut. This is what I've done. These are the sound bites. I got the viral Frank Ocean moment when I called him cute and he turned and like gave me this look and everything. And I got the Michael B. Jordan moment. I got the Cardi B moment. And, like put me on this red carpet. And there's also just not enough representation on this red carpets. And so... I remember Essence and Ebony both got back to me the same day and said, we want you to do this. Like, would you do it for us? And, you know, my number one publication was Essence. So I decided to go with Essence. But it was such an honor because once again, I was prepared for that opportunity. Right. So when I was getting all these viral moments on that carpet, whether it was with Tiana Taylor, or Gabrielle Union or Dwayne Wade, et cetera, like I was ready for those. I had properly plan for those moments and so it was it was truly an honor people always say nana you talk to celebrities like you've known them for years and i'm like to me they're just regular people and i think they give you the best sound bites when you can really kiki with them when you make them feel like come on sis you at home when you talking to me right and then that is also the environment that Essence brings to these celebrities, right? To specifically these Black prominent individuals is, you know, when you're talking to Essence, you're safe, right? You're at home, yes. you're with the community. You can tell us anything that 
you're thinking about right now, which is why Tiana Taylor is walking up these stairs and she was like, I'm literally thinking about peeing on myself. She's like, I might have peed a little on that carpet actually coming up. I'm so nervous. And this dress is so tight. And like, that is how you talk to your girlfriend, right? In the group chat, you're like, girl, I'm so tired. I'm so nervous about the pee coming up these stairs. I'm so anxious, right? And like, those are the sound bites we want. Those are the feelings we want. We want people to feel so comfortable in that moment with us. So it was really one of a kind moments. Like I talked to like all my favorite people in the world and I'm forever grateful for Essence for giving me that mic and giving me that moment. That is so dope. Okay. And like you said, you are really good at getting those viral moments and getting those sound bites out of, you know, whoever you're interviewing. So at your, t- like while you've um, done interviews for the cut, what has been your strategy behind that? Or is there a strategy in getting people you know, to get comfortable with you in those short few seconds that you have with them? Like, how are you getting them to like, interact with you like that? (laughs) Yeah, I think it depends on a few things. I think if they're a person of color, then you can talk to them like things you would say to your friends, like, how are you feeling today, sis? Like Tracy Ellis Ross is not going to be mad for you calling her sis. You know what I mean? Like you you bring them to an area where they just feel normal, right? And it's not like, hi, Tracy Ellis, yes. how are you doing? It's like, hey, girl, like, how you been? How you feeling? Like, <laughs> get them comfortable. Like, they're literally at the family cookout right now. Um, and then I would say if it's someone that, okay, may not be relatable, straightforward, right? Like maybe they're not a woman of color. You see, you're like, oh yeah, we're black and blah, blah. Then it's just something of just doing your research and realizing, oh, we're both from Ohio. Then you make a joke, like how many people really leave the Midwest, right? You and I made it out there. And so it's just like those small Mm -hmm. moments and you only need one of those moments. Like one of those moments will make people feel so comfortable so comfortable and I think something I don't know something I just naturally have is my smile I love smiling at people I think smiling is one of the most welcoming things you can do and it just really opens people up and then last I would say let people talk don't interrupt them Mm -hmm. let them talk because oftentimes when you interrupt you're interrupting a really good soundbite that's about to come and I think this is a journalism trick that you realize the more and more people talk, the more tea they start to spill, um, the more comfortable they start to get. And I think when people are interrupted, they don't they don't feel like they can be as comfortable and they might just give you brief and short responses. Um, and so, yeah, let people get comfortable, crack a smile, crack something that feels a little personal, like you did your research. Um, yeah, and most important thing, be yourself. Think like if I was talking to my cousin or my aunt or my sister, like how would I connect with them? That's good. That's really good advice. So when you've um, done your red carpet interviews, is there any moment that you always like cherish or any moment that has been your favorite so far? Ah, oh. you know what? <laughs> This this is like such a silly moment to say, but I think it was really seeing the amount of, actually, it's not really silly. I think it was seeing the amount of African excellence across the red carpet, you know, as someone who's originally from West Africa, we don't really get those moments in America a lot to cover the red carpet. So it was talking to Berna Boris, talking to Michaela Cole, uh, Michaela Cole. I think it was talking to Skepta. It was talking to Stormzy. Like those type of moments, I think, hit home for me. And it was so surreal to see to see us taking over in this space and being a part of this fashion um, this huge fashion moment. So yeah, I would definitely say I fangirled a little when I was talking to Berna Skepta. Um, one of my, I think one of everyone's favorite moments, I don't know if it's necessary. mine was when I was interviewing Usher and he was like, do I, he asked me if I love him. And I was like, Ooh, hold up. what are we talking right now? You know? So it got a little <laughs> spicy there. Um, you try to be my man. <laughs> right. And so there's so many, funny things that happen at the Met Gala down to like, you know, an NFL player asking me like, you know, calling me beautiful after and like trying to like be like, you know, what are we doing after this? Like, it's just like so many funny moments that happen um, when you're on that Met Gala that you don't even realize is going to happen. So I would say, yeah, seeing that African excellence, but then just like Kiki having those flirty moments with those celebrities always. They're so funny because they catch me off guard because I'm like, 
oh we're doing that here so yeah <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> I know. it's just I love it's that. so entertaining it's so so entertaining one of the scariest nights of my life most entertaining most anxiety driven but has one of the best beautiful results i've ever experienced I'm sure. I'm sure it's very rewarding. And and you have probably some amazing memories that you will remember for the rest of your life. So that's really I think that's always beautiful when your work is something that, you know, like something that you can brag about, but more so just something where you have so many great memories like this is stuff that people wish they could do rooms that Mm -hmm. people wish they could be in. And so to be able to tell those stories and have those memories, I'm sure that's like so precious and you know, it's dope. I, I'm sure it makes your whole career worth it and very rewarding. It just allows me to realize that I'm living in my purpose and I'm a strong believer of having a purpose-driven life. So to have me walking in that purpose, yes. living that purpose through the work that I do with every stylish girl, but then through my journalism work as well, is, is really those those accomplishments that make me feel really, yeah, rewarded and give me a reason to wake up every day and get to work and work all night, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of every stylish girl, so you have, of course, made such a name for yourself in journalism, and we all respect your work. Uh, But you recently, within the last few years, you decided to branch out and kind of, you know, build your own personal brand and also start every stylish girl. So what made you do that? Where did that idea come from? And what made you branch out and begin building this? So I launched Every Stylish Girl my senior year in college, and I noticed that there was a dearth of Black publications specifically for Gen Z and millennial women. So I wanted to fill that. I want to fill that space. And so I said, well, why don't we launch first as an Instagram blog where we're just interviewing women of color doing amazing things, whether they're doctors, whether they're scientists, whether they're fashion designers or editors. I just want cool Black women in high places. And I want them to share their stories and their secrets to success so I can inspire you know, the young women in my college and my high school. So also chase those dreams and not feel um, obligated to do something that they're not really passionate about. And so that's kind of how we started. I had my camera. I'd walk around Washington, D.C., and I would just photograph stylish black women, ask them, hey, what do you do? How How did you get inspired to do this job? And then once I moved to New York City a year later, then it grew into, okay, we want more than just an Instagram. We want to meet these women in person. So we launch an in-person experience, which is like our flagship event called Sip and Slay, which is an event specifically for women in entrepreneurship, fashion, and beauty who are trying to break barriers, but not only that, build their brands, build their businesses successfully. And so I think for me, it came really naturally, right? Like it just came out of listening to my friends and them being like, dang, we need this space. We don't feel like we have this space. And yes, we had Essence at that time. Yes, we had Ebony. But I really felt like those were publications for my aunts, right, at that time. I didn't really feel like they were for college Nana, which is no, which is nothing bad. It just showed like that wasn't there at that time um, in 2016. Now there's so many different outlets that do appeal to Gen Z millennial women. But in 2016, when I launched Every Solid Girl, there really weren't that many of them. Um, if any at all, for specifically for Black women and women of color. And so when we yeah. naturally transition to an event space, I think that's when we hit the mark and we're like, oh, this is what people needed. This is what women of color needed. We needed to meet in real life to realize that, you know, the business I've been wanting to start for my podcast it was just missing a business partner. And I found that business partner at Sip and Slay. Now I can launch that business. Oh, the idea that I have is there. It was just missing the income. And I've met an investor at Sip and Slay and I can get that business going, right? So like we're filling the pieces to your puzzle through our events. We're giving you that, that knowledge, that connection, that empowerment that you've been needing to launch your business, take it to the next level, quit that job, ask for that promotion, right? All of those things and above through a five-hour conference. Literally, someone was like, going into this conference five hours saved me from buying 10 books about self-help, education, business, entrepreneurship, etc. So this is kind of the space that we're providing for women. And it feels so good. 
No, that's amazing. And I, I think that what you're doing, like you said, it really is feeling a void because I'll just say, I'll, I'll say, yes, there are, you know, plenty of women conferences and women events and things like that. But to create a space where women of color feel safe to be themselves and also get like the, the connection that you're talking about, get the resources, the information and just have those light bulb moments. I think that that is invaluable. And I think that people underestimate like how valuable it is to be in a room. It's, it's something that happens energetically. I feel like almost like, yes, I can be on the online. I can watch interviews like this all day. I can sit here and fill my timeline with people that say inspirational things or have words of wisdom that is different being in the room physically with other people that are like-minded that are also trying to achieve things that are willing to kind of mastermind with you and find solutions and you know spread advice and information and also hearing from people that you would admire that have done amazing things I think is something about that energetically where like light bulbs go off and you have those aha moments and you're able to like finally connect the dots. And so what you're doing is so beautiful and it's so transformative and impactful. And I think that um, a lot of people as they can, I mean, like you've already built it up so well and I'm, I really admire what you've done and I really appreciate you for like bringing this to um, the world, you know, and actually following through on it and doing it because this is something that we need. It's something that we really, really need. And so I want, I love, you know, having women like you on the show because I want to be able to highlight that. You know, I think a lot of women, even though you've reached so many women, there's still so many more women that need what you're doing. So hopefully a lot of you that are listening, if you are in the area, because you have one coming up, right? Tell them about that. Yes, let's get into that. You have one coming <laughs> up. And so tell them about that when it's happening, all those things. Yeah, so we have Sip and Slay coming up in New York City, May 28th. I'm really excited for this because it's called Perfecting Your Pivot. As you know, we've had a plethora mm -hmm. of people laid off who work in the creative industry. So if you're someone who was impacted by this, if you're someone who realized like you're not married to these companies, you don't owe them anything, you want to launch that business, you want to pivot this is the event you should be at. If you're someone who works in beauty and fashion and media, this is the event you should be at, right? When it comes to the type of speakers we're going to have, we're going to have the VP of Dior Beauty talking, right? We're going to have the founder of Museum of Ice Cream talking. We're going to have the senior editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine. She used to be talking. Like, we're going to have the, the, the Olivia Pope. She's like the Olivia Pope, we call her, uh, Anaya, um, who founded one of the greatest Black PR agencies agencies in New York City talking like these are the spaces and the quality of women that we're bringing to you you know some of our past speakers have included the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue the founder of Refinery29 like I can go on and on to talk about the amazing women that we have but just so that people know and not only that but I think one of our things our events do the best is like we do not play when it comes to aesthetics you walk in the room and you feel instantly beautiful like I want you to take as many photo moments as possible I want you to get that pick off for the gram do that TikTok you've been wanting to do because while you're there I want you to be growing your brand in the moment so so much that you don't even realize it right like you're capturing all this content you're learning but you also have stuff that you can post to promote your business or your brand online right because you can repurpose all that content to make your tiktok to post instagram etc and so it's really twofold and you don't even realize it in one um, and I think last and least, you know, we got cocktails for the ladies, we got wine, we got food, we got man a manicurist there for the event. Um, and then lastly, we have a tarot card reader, like, we're really bringing everything and more to these women that are attending. So I'm really excited for people to experience it. Um, and if you can't be there in person, we also have a virtual experience as well. Um, and everything is at everystylishgirl.com. You can go find your tickets there under Sip and Slay. Y'all heard it. Go grab your tickets to Sip and Slay. Do not miss this. And I cannot wait to attend in person. Um, yes. Like I said, like you said, me and, me and Obi need to make that a thing. We're going to find some time <laughs> make our way down there so we have one in la in october and then we go to ghana every december as well 
That is so dope. That is so dope. Okay, LA. That LA is my city. I love LA. So oh, okay, okay. So we catching you yeah, there in October. No excuses. LA. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So we'll probably be <laughs> posting. We'll probably be posting about LA pretty early too, as well. So we want to give people at least like three months to start planning, book those tickets if you're not already mm-hmm. on the West Coast or in LA, because it's gonna be a big one. Yeah, for sure. That's exciting. Okay, so when you're putting on these events, like, what is the most challenging part of putting this together? Because it, it's a lot. Like, do you have a team that helps you? Are you, like, how, what is it like getting the sponsors? Like, I know there's a lot of coordination going on. Yeah, so honestly, I was really bigging myself up the other night because we just expanded our team at Every Stylish Girl, um, and we just brought on two new team members one woman for PR, one for brand partnerships, and they're both black women. So I was like, I feel so good right now. Like, yes, expansion. Um, but I would say there's about five of us on the team. Um, we have social people on the team. We already have an events coordinator on the team too as well. So we all, and we have a designer, et cetera. Like we were a pretty good team and everyone kind of, when it comes to Sip and Slay, we wear all, we all wear multiple hats because it's such a large event right now. Um, so it's such a large event and it's growing so much right now too as well. And so we kind of all do different things when it comes to Sip and Slay. But yeah, it takes a team for sure. It takes a team. It takes a lot of gumption. It takes me praying every night. It takes it takes a lot. Like there's definitely times where I'm like, wow, I'm doing so much right now. Um, but seeing the response that I get from the event, seeing the reactions I get from the event, like I'm like, this is so worth it. But yeah, it takes it takes really a village to put together a sip and slay child because Woo! I don't even know where to start. I would say the most difficult part about the event is brand partnerships. I think it's asking people for money. And the reason why this is the most difficult part is because a lot of companies have budgets already set and allocated for what they want to do, right? And we're seeing a lot of companies now investing a lot of budget into brand trips. So they're asking themselves, why pay for your event if I could just pay and send five girls to Italy for my brand and promote it a whole weekend. And I'm telling them, well, how else can you reach 600 women of color in one space, right? So you really need to show them what your added value is plus more. And that's a difficult thing to do. The reason why I think I'm able to have done it so successfully is that I have my own personal brand that I've developed and I stay close with those companies that I've worked with. And I let them know, hey, just so you know, this is what I'm creating. It's a conference for black women. If you want to support me, I would love you if you can also support my conference. Um, and I think that's been really meaningful and impactful along the way as well. So sorry. Give me one second. If I give me one second, someone's delivering like a huge table to me and I just want to make sure everything is okay. You never know what craziness is going to happen in the midst of it like this is this is literally my life it's like I got 25 wine packages just delivered to me and they need my signature downstairs literally got 25 packages delivered to me right now so yeah this is my life this is a craziness I'm everything's delivered to my house (laughs) like you guys are really getting to see like this is the craziness of it all when you want to run an event and like every day I wake up I'm like running events is the most underrated it's the most difficult thing in the world and I don't think people realize that enough and you know I really without a doubt yeah it is it is very hard like it is a lot of hard work and a million no's yeah so yeah but we prevail yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah no and that was a reason I asked you about the whole sponsorship thing because I know that I mean I've done events for years and stuff. I haven't done any recently, but I, I remember that when I was doing them, that was always the thing. It's like, you got to plan out, like you got to pitch them a long time in advance and, you know, hope that they're going to actually give you the money because they might have figured out some other way to allocate that money and they think they're getting a better value somewhere else. So with, at the moment, like, are you guys planning out these events like a year in advance or like how, how off, how far out do you plan out your events? 
Yeah, so because we kind of know what city we're going to go to every year, it's just a matter of fact of just following up with the venue and making sure, hey, you're available, et cetera. And then I would say with everything else, we get that eight weeks. So whether it's pitching the speakers, whether it's the theme of the event, whether it's getting you know, partnerships, at least give yourself eight weeks in advance to do all of that. But the first thing you want to do is figure Mm -hmm. out what your tour schedule is. And because we already know our tour is New York and Ghana every single year, we kind of stick with that. Um, LA is a wild card. We did that. I think last time we did LA was 2019. We haven't been back since because of COVID. And so I want to play with it. I want to see how much the girls really love us in LA, see what the vibe is giving out in LA. Um, But I think for us, our biggest cities are always going to be New York City and Ghana. Love that. Okay. And then, okay, so recently you did an event that wasn't your typical Sip and Slay event, right? You did a a 35 under 35 list, and you honored them, right? And and that, honestly, it was giving – what was it giving? It was like (laughs) – It was giving, I needed to be there. That's what it was giving. Um, No, it was giving like Rock Nation brunch. It was giving like. Thank you. (laughs) All the vibes. And I think everyone, when they saw it, they were like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is, that looked amazing. And you really outdid yourself with that one. It was beautiful. Yeah. I was not expecting that to blow up as much as it did. Like we've been doing 35 under 35 where we, we launch Every Stylish Girl Business, which is our sister brand, which is really focused on the corporate babes, right? Like literally the women who work nine to five, yeah. it's corporate girls, business women. And so we wanted to honor these, I would say your non-traditional women who, you know, is not the woman who's not a celebrity. Like she's the woman who is signing those contracts at the firm. She works at the, you know, she works senior position here, but no one knows about her. She might not even have social media, right? But she's killing it in that corporate world that she's working in. So we wanted to really honor these women and it was a mind blowing event. I mean, we were at the penthouse suite of the Standard Hotel. We had a beautiful florals on the table and like shout out to Lauren um who helps us with our PR who's a black woman she's amazing who helped put the whole event together truly brought the whole beautiful event together we had BFA shooting it we got the event covered in Essence magazine it was really a dream come true yeah that is beautiful yeah and I think I think it was just a thing of like one, it looked beautiful. It looked amazing. But also Thank just the you. fact that you took the time to honor all of those people. It was like, you know, we don't I mean, yes, we do get honored. Like, you know, I see women of color getting honored all the time. But it was just it just looked like a beautiful, safe space. You know, it looked like Thank a beautiful you. environment and a lot of love and a lot of, you know, celebration happening. And it's just always great when we can see that. And I think that's why it translated so well online and why everyone was so excited for you, because. We just love seeing that, you know? Thanks. I'm excited. I'm excited to keep it going. And yeah, stay tuned for what next year holds. Ooh, okay. (laughs) We will. We will definitely stay tuned. (laughs) So, okay. So what has been something pivotal that you've done to grow this brand? You know, because like you said, you have um, Every Stylish Girl, and then you also have Every Stylish Biz. And like, you have been, honestly, these, these brands simultaneously have been growing at a very quick rate. And I know you've been doing this for years, right? But it seems like recently, like in the last few years, you have gotten a lot of momentum. And I'm sure that it's been, you know, really exciting, but it's probably been a lot to like, you know, to to flow with that. So what has it been like? And what have you been doing to get this momentum? And how have you been managing that? Oh, wow, that's a great question. I think because I truly am obsessed with social media. I live Mm -hmm. on social media. So I'm constantly thinking of new strategies, new things we could do differently, how we can pivot. We're constantly, if you notice, if you actually look through the Every Sales Girl Instagram, I don't know how much time y'all got, but if you want to scroll through five years, we have changed so much. We used to do a color grid on our Instagram. That means every seven, sorry, every three rolls was the same color. So we used to literally do all yellow. Do you remember back in the day where people used to have a color grid on their Instagram? It was like, I'm only posting yellow photos, only red, only, you know? And so we did that color grid for years and people loved it. People would only follow us specifically because they were like, 
it's visually the most breathtaking page ever. Then we transition and we said, okay, text quotes. Text quotes are what everyone loves to see. People love just seeing eight big words on your screen. That's motivating, uplifting. We did that for a few years. Then we transitioned and we were like, okay, tweet grabs. People love seeing tweet grabs. Like what is inspiring them? Like we're constantly, and I think that's why we're always evolving is because we're never sticking with the standards. We're never just straightforward. Like we're always rising right? We're never plateauing. So I think constantly switching up our social strategy is key. Having your finger on what's buzzy, what's going on right now, what are other pages doing, what's trending, but also just reading different social media marketing publications too, as well in articles, if you can at least once a week to figure out what's happening in the social realm and how can you keep your brand up to date on it. Yeah. And I think people underestimate how much strategy goes into growing a social media page like you said like I'm sure it it takes a lot of effort and a lot of thought um do you like do you plan out your content in advance or are you like kind of just going with the flow like how does that how does that work for you so I would say for every stylish girl biz our team pretty much plans everything in advance I would say for every stylish girl main account it feels a little more like live more timely because we do cover a little mm. bit of black women, like celebrity news and updates. I would say we really like to keep that pretty timely and fresh. Um, so they're very, I would say they're very different, but overall our team has a good eye on like, okay, these are the posts that we know we typically like to use. So let's have some of these already set for the week and then we'll fill in with anything else. That's like breaking news or timely, or et cetera. Like Kiki Palmer just announced her pregnancy. Let's get that live. Right. Or like she just posted her baby for the first time. Let's post that right now. Um, so I would say it's a mixture of that. And then we always have our eyes on Twitter because I think when it comes to breaking news, Twitter is like the first place you want to be at if you're a media company. Um, but yeah, I would say we're kind of like, we go with the flow we plan, but don't over plan because you still want it to feel very relatable, right? Um, to your community. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. I think, I think that you, because of that celebrity aspect that adds just like a whole other layer to things. Um, and I think for brands that are like, you know, that are not necessarily centered around current events, it might be a little easier to plan ahead. So yeah, I, I hopefully that's helpful for anyone that's listening. It's so funny because I would say plan ahead, but you all, it doesn't matter actually if you're a media company or not. I think that there's timeliness with everything. I think that you could be timely when you just read news and realize, okay, chat GPT is taking down a lot of jobs. It's pivoting a lot of people. Do a reel on chat GPT, right? Like still do a reel on that. You don't have to be a media company to cover that. You can cover that as a, as an influencer, as a brand, et cetera. I think another thing too, as well is like, okay, keeping in mind, like everyone right now is like, okay, we want to go to Europe, create a Europe guide right now. I think there's so many ways in which I can talk social media strategy for hours, which if you get a VIP ticket to Sip and Slay, you do actually get to meet with me for marketing and social media hours. But I'm like, there's so many different ways. I'm so excited to like talk to people about like how to stay timely because at all the companies I've worked at, like I was social media editor at The Cut. I got them to a million followers. I doubled their following from 500K to a million in less than a year. And that was because I was so on top of things. Like I just... When it came to social media and strategy, I realized the true way to win is being timely. If your content is stuck in 2020, you're not going to grow. If you're not making TikToks every three to two days, you're not going to grow. Like, There's just so many things I think people are missing the mark on when it comes to social media strategy that can really help your brand, you know, with not just being a media company, with just being your own brand too as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think too, it's like, because I recently did that, even with my own content. Like, a year ago on TikTok, what was making me grow is not the same as what is making me grow today. Exactly. Like, a year ago, I could sit here and list a bunch of things you should do to, like, improve the quality of your life. Whereas today, right. no one wants to sit through that. So now I, – and I actually did that exact thing. I was I was trying to be timely, <laughs> and it worked out. Um, so for those that follow me, you know that I put out a guide on how to reinvent yourself. 
but mm-hmm. I had been seeing like all these astrologers on um, TikTok and they were talking about like, I don't know, they were talking about how there's like a big shift happening, I guess, astrologically. And I was like, oh, okay, perfect. I'm going to teach people how to reinvent themselves since we're all going yeah. through a shift anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone is probably in this stage of trying to like shift things or have a new beginning or start, you know, and it sure enough, as soon as I put out that content, it did great on the algorithm, but that's because that's where people are at at the moment. And so it's just like being aware of that and seeing, and I, and I think for me, it was like looking at a whole other industry, you know, using that as an indicator and seeing like, okay, well, if that's happening over here, that's going to affect this over here. And I can actually speak to that too, you know? So I, I love that point. So thank you for bringing that up because I think a lot of people, definitely are always stuck in their little box and they're always concerned with like oh I post outfit videos so that's what I'm going to stick with and it's like what about posting outfit videos for you know going on vacation or because you know I don't know like whatever's relevant it's like whatever you do just keep it whatever you do just keep it timely keep it fresh keep it personable yes Yes, and don't sit on your content. Take it out of drafts and post yes. it. After yes. you make it, post it. Don't Especially sit on it. Especially on TikTok. I really feel like you can throw anything at the wall on TikTok. Like, no one is ever yes. like, your TikTok got 20 views. Like, you never hear people say that. Like, they do it with the comparison on Instagram. So, never. I really think people can be very experimental when it comes to TikTok. Especially TikTok. Yes. nine time, And I'll say this. Nine times out of ten, the only people concerned with how well their TikTok videos did is themselves. Um, But even brands, because I know a lot of people that are trying to be content creators, they are concerned with, if brands come to my page, are they going to be, you know, looking funny because one video did really well and then the other didn't. People know how TikTok works. They know. (laughs) So they're not. And and also, too, with the algorithm right now, it could just take a minute for your video to pick up. So, like, don't be, you know, discouraged by that or don't feel like it's going to hinder you from getting more business or getting more brand deals or whatever. Like. Just just try things. Just put your content up. <laughs> Shoot your shot. Exactly. So, okay. So moving forward, where do you see Sip and Slay going? Where do you see every stylish girl going? Like, what is what is the plan, girl? As much as you could tell me. <laughs> yeah, so I think one of our biggest goals was being one of, you know, we're one of the only Black women global conferences right now for women in fashion and media. So we hit that. That was a huge goal going to Ghana and succeeding and I think for us our next goal is like we just want every single woman of color and beauty and fashion to know about this event like we want to scale the event we want to have you know thousand women there two thousand women there five thousand women there so I think our next goal is really scaling the community for Sip and Slay and letting women know how life-changing this really can be for your career so scale is one of our biggest goals and then I think Oh, I think for my personal brand, I think I just want to grow more as a businesswoman, whether that means going back to school to re-educate myself in some ways, um, to be able to develop new ventures or new business ideas I have in mind. Like, I always want to keep educating myself. I don't think, I, I don't, I don't know anything right now. I honestly am always like, I'm a child, teach me everything from the beginning so I can continue to grow. So yeah, I want to scale myself, my personal goals and my company goals. That's dope. That's exciting. And I cannot wait to see you do all of that because thank you. I honestly I've I've loved watching you over the years. And so I know anything that you say you're gonna do, like it's gonna happen. And I cannot wait. I can't and I can't wait to continue supporting. <laughs> thank you. And I can't wait for you to experience your first ever sip and slay in LA, hopefully. Yes. Now that that honestly, like as you were talking about it, I was like, why have I not gone yet? This is crazy. So yeah, I need to go. <laughs> you will, you will. We're going to change that real soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. So I have, I always ask everyone that comes on the show this question. So of course I'm going to ask you as well. What does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman? Mm. You know, I'm going to say being a wealthy woman beings fulfilled, right? And having my cup Mm. overflowing. That means within my love life. That means within my career. That means within my bank account. (laughs) That means within my education. That means with my businesses, the people around me. And not just my cup overflowing, 
I think everyone I touch, I want their cups to overflow. I've never been about me. I've always been about how can I uplift those around me because that's how I feel wealthy. Making other people success, making other people wealthy is what gives me wealth. Oh, that was good. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. This was great. Thank you so much for being on. <laughs> I love your podcast. I was saying, like, it's truly an honor. I think you really are gifted when it comes to interviews. I think oh, God thank really, you. yeah, I think God really blessed you with this and showed you, like, this is the path you need to go down on because you're truly talented. That means a lot coming from you. So thank you. <laughs> no, honestly, doing this interview, I was nervous. I was like, how am I going to interview somebody that is a professional interviewer? <laughs> No, you nailed it, sis. You made me feel at home. You made me feel so comfortable. And what did I say? That's the success to a great interview, right? Just making me feel like I'm at the family cookout. You're right. You're right. Okay, well, good. If I made you do that, then good. Like, (laughs) I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yes. (laughs) Yes. This was great. So where can people find you? How can we stay up to date with what you're doing and all of your events and all of that, just in case anyone wants to, um, you know, stay in touch with you? Of course. So you can follow Every Stylish Girl on Instagram and Every Stylish Girl Biz as well. It's spelled exactly how it's pronounced. Um, And then you can, if you want to follow me in my crazy lifestyle, y'all, I don't know. I might be posting whatever, who knows what. But if you want to follow the day in the life of a CEO and founder, you can follow me at It's Really Nana, which is just It's Really and then Nana's N-A-N-A. Yay. Yes. And I love your, your personal Instagram. You were like such a vibe. Okay, so go follow all of that, like she said. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much.